before we start asking questions, um, if we could all just have a look at uh, James chapter one. I just want to read a few verses. James is going to be um, the theme of our weekend retreat. And I just thought it'd be helpful if we could read a little bit at the very beginning, basically, and, and to go through that. Let's see if I can locate it. Why don't you open it up in the window? All right. Let's have a look at James chapter one. I'm just going to read from James and then give a little bit of context and ask the Anderson some questions. But um, James chapter one, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." One of the things that I just wanted to bring to your attention and one of the ways in which we can talk about how this came about a little bit before I start to ask the Andersons some questions and, and for them to bring us up to date really on how the Lord has worked in their lives is really the story of my interaction with Ricardo Morales, who is the missionary who we're partnering with for church planting in Colombia. And part of the process of getting together and partnering with the Morales is the elders asked that we vet Ricardo and make sure that we are on the same page doctrinally, on the same page in our philosophy of ministry. And they also requested that we vet Ricardo and speak with the different members who were vetting him at Grace Community Church. And so that was an opportunity for me to get to know uh, Rodney. But, not also, but also one of the things that was a real blessing for me was to talk to Rodney about how we can grow as far as developing missions and outreach at our church and where we needed to go in that direction. And that was just a huge blessing and encouragement for me. I was able to share that with the elders. And as we come to James and we think about asking the Lord for wisdom, which is something that we also desperately need in every aspect of our life and church life, one of the ways in which he gives that wisdom, obviously, is through the Holy Spirit and through his word, first and foremost. But he's also blessed us in the local church with godly men and godly women who are further down the path than we are. And men and women who serve as shepherds and shepherds helpers to come alongside maybe some folks like us who don't have wisdom in a particular area, but who are graciously willing these shepherds to pour into our lives. And that's how this came about. Some of it came about really through Ricardo as well, because Rodney's been mm -hmm. an incredible encouragement for Ricardo and Vanna as well. And so just as we partnered together, uh, it just seemed to make sense as we prayed through who we would have for retreat this coming year, that we'd be, have the opportunity to work together with Rodney and Glenna and also allow them in person to pour into our lives. And so with that sort of introduction, I just want to ask uh, Rodney and Glenna, maybe you could give us uh, a little bit of your testimony, how the Lord saved you both, and then maybe how he brought you together to be married, and then how we got you to where we are today. Sure. Absolutely. You want to start with your testimony? or do you want... Sure. So I was born um, into a Christian family, grew up going to church. Um, when I was seven, my family moved to Lake Arrowhead, California. So got to enjoy God's creation, living up in the mountains above San Bernardino. And um, I was a good kid, youngest of three kids. Um really enjoyed my parents, enjoyed my family, um, didn't have a lot of issues growing up. Um, but when I entered my high school years, especially when I got my driver's license and had 
some independence. Um, my heart really started to show that I was more concerned about popularity and um, fitting in and um, pursuing worldly things. Um, I always had this awareness in the back of my mind that I was sinning. And so I entered this pattern that went on for about three years of sinning and confessing and then falling into the same sins again and confessing and uh, being frustrated that I couldn't really be happy in my sins. And I couldn't really be happy um, living the Christian life either because of the guilt that I had. Um, and the Lord used uh, Campus Crusade for Christ to, to um, set me straight. I um, was going to Cal State San Bernardino and majoring in human development. And when you grow up in Lake Arrowhead, most people who live there and graduate from high school there don't stay there. They they go off to college. There's not a lot of job opportunities up in the mountains. So um, most of my friends were leaving. And so when I was on campus one day, I just thought, oh, I'll check out the bulletin board. Maybe there's some club I can join or something. And so when I saw Campus Crusade, I thought, oh, I'm a Christian. I'll, I'll go to that. Um, and I showed up and um, the people there were just so warm and welcoming. They, welcoming. they reached out to me and um, over a matter of months, I got involved with a small group there. Um, and then we went on a retreat and Romans was the topic of that retreat. And um, I remember the first time really thinking about un and understanding God's sovereignty and particularly his sovereignty and um, election and saving us. Um, and it just really changed my whole way of thinking about who God is. And I realized I had a very man-centered view of Christianity and salvation. I thought it was something that I did, a choice that I made. Um, and if I just followed these rules and did these things right, then I would go to heaven. Um, but through that study, um, the Lord really started to open my eyes and a direct result of that was I knew I needed to stop sinning, stop the patterns of sin that were in my life. Um, so that ushered in a big change in my world. And I um, started going to a sound church that was down in Riverside. And the pastor of that church was a graduate of Master's Seminary, a guy named Milton Vincent. Some of you might have read his little, he's got a little book called The Gospel Primer that's um, become pretty popular. And uh, so talking with him and his wife, they were really instrumental in my life as well. And um, they encouraged me to apply to the master's university. So I did and I got accepted. So I transferred as a junior and came out here to go to master's. And um, uh, yeah, that was also just a really amazing time of growth in my life. And I um, got my teaching credential, started teaching kindergarten out here in Santa Clarita. And then... I'll save the rest for our story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'll give my testimony up to where we met. Um, I grew up at Grace Church. At uh, six months old, I started going to Grace. So I was born in Burbank, California, and um, my parents started going to Grace when I was very young. And I went through all the Grace Church programs uh, growing up, which was a blessing. I... Um, I'm told that uh, when I was very young, somewhere around the age of four or five, that uh, that I made a profession of faith. And uh, apparently I was a pretty whiny, uh, complaining kid would throw what my mom would call temper tantrums and beat the floor and kick when I didn't get my way. But she says that after I made a profession of faith that I stopped doing that. Well, I'm not totally sure uh, if that's when I was saved, but I know Growing up, um, you know, I was involved in church and I would hear the lessons. And I do remember at uh, in eighth grade, uh, definitely hearing and understanding a lot more. And at that point, um, really wanting to pursue the Lord more. Now, whether that was when I was saved at that point or whether it was earlier, I don't know. Um, but I went, uh, again, through the junior high, high school ministry at Grace Church. Um, I went to a Christian school, village Christian school, all the way through, and then uh, pursued engineering at UCLA. Uh, so I started at UCLA, and suddenly now, from going from a Christian school all growing up, 
I was on a huge campus with many unbelievers in my classes. And so in the civil engineering program, there was um, in my class uh, electrical, well, my undervision classes, guys pursuing different degrees, but um, a strong Catholic guy, a guy into new age, um, a Hindu friend of mine, a Buddhist friend of mine. I just, it was interesting how God arranged it that uh, the friends that I hung around and studied with were all from very diverse religious backgrounds. And we had a lot of conversations. How do you know what you believe is true? And why do you believe what you believe? And I remember one of my friends saying very clearly that, hey, look, my parents are Buddhist. I'm a Buddhist. You're, you know, her parents are Hindu. She's a Hindu. Your parents are Christian. That's why you're a Christian, Rodney. And so I had to really examine my heart and examine my faith and say, okay, you know, do I really believe that Jesus is God come in flesh? And so that was a great time of evaluation. I, I think I was probably saved before that time, but certainly it deepened my faith and gave me, um, I just went to God's word and said, okay, you know, looking at the Bible, who does Jesus say he is? Because even my college professors at UCLA said, yes, Jesus uh, was a historical person. Um, so who did he say he was and, and did he prove it? And uh, became convinced in my studies even more so that, yeah, Jesus is God. He is has come in flesh. And so, um, yeah, I had great opportunities there at UCLA. Uh, further strengthened to just evangelize. Me and a friend would walk around campus and evangelize, and, um, but enjoyed my time at UCLA. And then uh, after getting out of school, pursued uh, work, worked for an outfit called Metropolitan Water District for a few years, and then later worked for City of Burbank as an engineer uh, for many years as well. Um, but we met um, while I was uh, still at MWD before I started Burbank and part of a Bible study at uh, Grace Community Church and got to know, had some friends and the master's college uh, campus. And um, one of those guys, um, a guy named Brian, his mom was, uh, since Brian was living on campus, his mom was uh, housing one of the uh, students there who was getting her credential. And that was Glenna. So uh, there was a, so this lady, Linda, who uh, Glenna was living with, wanted to have some guys over for Sunday lunch. Uh, partly just, you know, a Sunday lunch, get together, hang out. But partly it was a setup. But it wasn't a setup for me. It was, I had a roommate, a good friend of mine named Mike. And uh, so Linda was thinking setting Glenna up with Mike was the plan. And so we went over there for a Sunday lunch and uh, Mike knew this was kind of a setup and it was coming, but Glenna was, she was playing hard to get for sure. She, uh, you know, tried to make conversation and she had a book open called Repent or Perish <laughs> was a book that she was just sitting there reading while we're trying to have conversation. So uh, I, you know, for whatever reason, Mike got a little, uh, uh, frustrated or just like, okay, well, I'm not going to pursue this. But, uh, but I, I was a little more interested. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let that dissuade me. So I said, Hey, Mike. So I, I lived with Mike at, at the house. I said, Hey, Mike, are you going to ask Glenn out? And he goes, I don't know. You know, and I said, well, you mind if I do, <laughs> you know, cause I wouldn't mind asking her out. And he said, sure. And so, uh, so he, yeah, was okay with that. And so I asked Glenn out a few times and we were going to the same Bible study uh, after that and uh, went out a few times, but, um, but then Glenna decided that was going to be it. <laughs> she, uh, she had had uh, a lot of going on in her life and I don't know, you should probably explain that part. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, you know, I, he asked me out one time over the phone and I said, oh, I think I should talk to you at Bible study first. And that was like a Sunday night, she says that. <laughs> so, you know, the Bible study is Friday night. Yeah. So you, I know what's coming. If it's like, uh, we need to talk first. <laughs> I knew what was coming. Yeah, it wasn't very nice of me. <laughs> but I did want to talk to him in person. And um, I also didn't want to just give him lame excuses. So I, so I was pretty frank with him and just said, you know, I just don't really see that you're someone that I'd want to marry. And 
Um, I don't really enjoy the time that we spend together. <laughs> that, that was it. That was a line. I was pretty brutal. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So he kept, he would ask me, are you sure? Is there nothing I can change? Like, was it something that I did? Um, but yeah, it was really just the place I was at. I didn't, it was like one more thing to think about and worry about. I was new teacher and living on my own for the first time. And it just felt like too much. So uh, long story short, about three months went by. We were still at the same Bible study, still seeing each other and things got less awkward over time. And then we had two really interesting things that pushed us together. One was my car breaking down on the freeway on the way home from church. And I won't get into all the details, but he ended up coming to um, stay with me while I waited for the tow truck and then drove me in his car. And then we ended up going to lunch. And then um, the second thing that happened was we were helping a friend move out of her apartment and Rodney got sliced on the chin to where he needed stitches. And I was the only one in the right position to take him to the urgent care to get stitches. And it was particularly, which one happened first? I'm kind of forgetting. I think it was the car. The car? I think so. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it was the car. Wow. <laughs> Gotta look back at my yeah. journals or something. Um, yeah, so I remember on the particularly taking him to get his stitches that I was kind of thinking, hmm, what was I, what was I thinking? Why why didn't I like this guy before? So um anyway, he he ended up asking me out again in February of 1997. So we went on a double date with some friends, saw a movie, went to dinner and I remember driving in the car down the 405 and just thinking, yep, we're probably going to get married. And, and then in August of that same year, we did get married. So it was very quick. Once I figured out what was going on, uh, we got engaged in April and got married in August. And so that's been 24 years now. 24 years of bliss. Yes. That's a wow. (laughs) <laughs> say that's a wow so so Rodney you weren't deterred you were ready to repent or perish <laughs> yeah yeah I wasn't going to give up that easy um I sound like a real catch don't I <laughs> well that's why I was willing to just uh, not give up and persevere through it but uh yeah the whole you know I just don't enjoy spending time with you um you know, I had been rejected by many girls before, so this wasn't new to me. I, I was pretty thick-skinned at this point. So, um, but yeah, I hung in there, and she came around. It just, you know, 10 stitches on the chin. That's all it took? That's all it took. That's a you know, well worth guys. it. Every one of those, totally worth it. So, um, You know, God's yeah. gracious, and he works sovereignly, doesn't he? And he has a time, and he has a place, you know, and, and it's interesting, and it's a sweet thing to see over time too, his affirmation that it's not at the end of the day, even the will of men or the plans of men, but all ultimately his goodness, right. And his grace, which is really sweet to see. And, um, uh, and, and some humility along the way for all of us, I think. So yeah. <laughs> how did you both get from, uh, getting married, working and Rodney quote unquote, living a lay community, member life, you know, and obviously fairly comfortable life, you know, basically Southern California, working for a very secure organization. Obviously, you could have stayed there and been pensioned out for the rest of your life. How did the Lord move you into first seminary? And then, uh, Glenna, what was that like for you? Because, you know, like, for some of the wives, that's not what they initially signed (laughs) up for. And then the plans change significantly yeah yeah it's an interesting path that god took us on and not your typical one i guess for missionaries but um i had asked Elena before we got engaged i at some point i was told that um you should always make sure whoever you marry is willing to do whatever god would ask even if that's go to the mission field and so i thought okay i can do that i can ask her would you be willing to go to the mission field someday uh, knowing, and then I quickly, when I asked her that, followed up with, and don't worry, it's never going to happen. I, I have no desire to do so, just, but I've been told this is what I'm supposed to ask. 
So I asked that. She said, yeah, I'd be willing to. I said, okay, good. Check the box. Uh, we're not going, but uh, you answered the question right. So um, so that was, yeah, back in 97. And I started working for City of Burbank, was an engineer. And uh, God was very gracious and a number of promotions there with uh, Burbank. And um, I liked my job. Um, I mean, I was a wastewater engineer. So you can imagine that, that's a pretty good job. <laughs> Um, dealing with wastewater all the time. Um, but I liked my job, but it, um, it was, it was a number of factors that kind of came together. One, we were, we got to know the missionaries at our church. We prayed for the missionaries in our church on a regular basis. Um, and then we just got to know them when they were in town. A lot of them, we knew when they came to seminary before they went to the field. So we were friends with them. And then we started serving at the missionary conferences. Every two years, they'd have a conference in places around the world. So we traveled out to Norway, to, um, oh, I forget, Israel, Greece, different locations, and more locally as well. And so getting to know them more and praying for their needs, we got to know more of the needs around the world. And we would hear from them of just so many people who are untaught and, you know, just need help in understanding God's word, how to study and preach God's word. And so certainly recognize so much of the need through them. And then, so that kind of was going on in my heart. Then I was studying the book of Acts in my personal devotions time. And just really convicted through that study and seeing God use people to spread the gospel and just the needs and through Peter, through Paul, um, through Philip, different men to spread the gospel and further and further out from Jerusalem. And so that convicted me too. How am I a part of the Great Commission? Am I, how am I serving him? Um, and then another element was uh, Pastor MacArthur was teaching on um, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me when Christ gave that in Luke. And just really thinking, God, am I willing to do anything uh, to honor you in my life? Not not just, yes, I've committed my life to you as Lord of my life. You're my savior, but anything you would ask in addition to that. And God had just gave me a compelling desire. And that's, that's how I would put it, a compelling desire that, look, I have been given so much here at Grace Church. I've grown up here, gone through all the programs, been a high school staff, college staff, all these different things. They don't need me here at Grace Church Uh right now. I can be much more useful, you know, in somewhere else. And so, uh, so yeah, I was thinking about missions for a while. And finally, one day I, uh, I could kind of tell Glenna was thinking about it too, but I was hesitant to say anything because once verbalized it, then it's like, okay, this is real and we need to act on this. But one day eventually said, Hey, Glenna, what do you, what do you think about missions and, and what should we do about this? And, uh, her response, you know, made it clear that God was working her heart. She basically said, all right, we could talk about it. Great. You know, I'm ready. Let's do it. And so we talked for, oh, a couple hours or something. And, and she was pretty convinced. I think it was, must've been like a Friday. Cause she thought the next day we would sell all of our things over the weekend. And then maybe, you know, jump on a plane on Monday uh, was the plan. Uh, so God had definitely prepared her to go. And then I let her know, look, I, I want to train someone to take my place in Burbank. I didn't want to leave them in the lurch. And then also just to prepare for the future there. Um, and then I want to go to seminary. And so she was very gracious and patient through that process. Cause that, you know, obviously took a number of years. I think it was had to be 2006 or five or six that we had that conversation. So um, it took a while um, before we ended up going. In fact, we, so I took uh, a couple courses um, remotely and then, uh, and then started uh, 2007 or something like that and uh, finished the end of 2011. Um, And then with our goal to go to missions, that was the idea from day one was missions. It was just unclear where that would be. Lena, what was that like? Because that, that was a long haul, right? Yeah. And like, like Rodney said, I was kind of raring to go, like, 
you know, you've been raised at Grace Church and you know your stuff and we can just go, you know, why waste our time with seminary? And um, yeah, clearly I'm the weaker link in this whole scenario too, but um, but yeah, it was really good for Rodney to go and get that training. And his point was just that, well, he'd heard of so many people going out like that and then getting to a point in their ministry where they realize, oh, I really need more training. And then it's really hard to then come back and do that. So since we're already here, we live already um, in proximity to the church and the seminary, let's just do this. And um, that was clearly the wise thing to do. And um, so seminary was, yeah, it was, it was long, but it, you know, looking back on it, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem that bad. Our kids were already, um, so 2007, were already um, seven and eight at that time. So they weren't little, little, you know, so I didn't have babies while we were going through all that. Um, so we were, we were really busy. Rodney was still working for Burbank. He also was a short-term ministries coordinator at Grace. He led our home Bible study that we hosted. Um, yeah, we had two little kids that were into all kinds of soccer and schooling and everything. So um, yeah, we were, we kept running along and Rodney was really good about, um, he'd do all of his work out in the dining room in our home and we have kind of an open floor plan. So he was always accessible to the kids and me and, um, and yeah, we had two, uh, periods of time where in 2009, my mom got sick and passed away. And then 2010, his dad, um, developed brain cancer and passed away. So we, um, yeah, that was interesting too. Just when we made the decision to go into missions, our we had all four parents totally supportive and cheering us on. And then when it came time to leave, we we were leaving our parents single, me, my dad, and Rodney's mom. So that changed the landscape for us a little bit and just caused us to trust God even more with with them and their lives that we, they'd be okay um, while we were away. Um, but yeah, it was it was wonderful. I wouldn't trade those years. It was lots of fun. And we both learned a ton mm-hmm. over that time. Yeah. yeah. A huge preparation. When you think about the mission field and what you had to do, you were already juggling a lot of balls in the air prior to that for several years. Oh yeah. And then, and then the year oh. we were leaving the year, I guess it was yeah. right before Two thousand end of 2011, I found out. End of 2011, we found out Rodney had a um, congenital heart defect where his um, heart was having to work too hard to pump blood. And it's mitral valve prolapse, which a lot of people have that, but his was pretty severe to where it was, his heart was quite enlarged. And um, so his cardiologist thought that with, um, this was something he just didn't know about. He went to get some, someone to look at his thumb because he was having some tendonitis and the doctor listening to his heart said, did you know you have a heart murmur? And he said, no. And so that started the ball rolling. And so in February of 2012, the year we were going to leave for the mission field, he had open heart surgery to have that valve repaired in his heart. Thankfully it was just a repair, not a replacement Mm -hmm. or anything. So, um, he recovered very speedily and well from that, but yeah, it was a busy, it was a busy four years yeah. for us. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, it's just a wow. How did you end up in China and how did that come about? You know, obviously you'd been in contact with many grace missionaries. So, you know, the world is out there. How did the Lord lead you there? Yeah. And so we, you know, we were open to anywhere the Lord would lead. So I asked the missions pastor at the time and said, where are you looking to send people? Where are the needs? And he gave me four different locations. Um, It was Singapore or maybe five, Singapore, Philippines, China, I think Colombia or Lebanon, something like that. And so he gave us some uh, options and we visited, uh, we had visited actually China in 2008 uh, because we knew another missionary family there, the Borisic family, Mark and Charity Borisic. And so we visited them, and uh, Mark had led a Bible study that we were a part of for a while. So I knew Mark. He was a friend of mine. Um, so that was a consideration when they said China. It's like, okay, well, um, that could be an option. But we also visited Singapore, and we visited the Philippines as well. 
and uh, just to see, you know, where God you might have us. And, you know, we just, the first, one that came out on the top of my list actually was Singapore at the time. Because if you've ever been to Singapore, it's a beautiful country. Um, very nice. Um, and it seemed like good opportunities there. Um, but then through God's providence, uh, the missions pastor said, you know what, we're not going to do Singapore anymore. Uh, that's, we're not looking to send anyone there because we think as far as reaching Chinese people, it's best to be in country. And I couldn't argue with that. And so we decide, all right, let's plan on China. And, uh, if God directs us differently, we'll do something different. And so we set our, our hearts towards China. And I had already been knowing the needs there. One of the things that stood out to me when we went in 2008, on the way back, the flight back from China, I was some reason we were separated where we were sitting on the plane. And I was sitting next to a Chinese guy and his English was pretty good and um, just started talking about the gospel with him and what was going to happen to him when he died and started speaking to him about Christ. And I told him about, you know, well, Christ went on the cross to pay for our sins. And he asked me, what, what's a cross? What are you talking about? What's a, what's a cross? And I got out a piece of paper and I started drawing with a pen, what a cross looks like. And it just struck me as I was doing that. How many times have I had to actually illustrate on a piece of paper for an American, what a cross looks like? Um, everyone knows uh, what we mean when we say Jesus died on a cross. And so it certainly just um, stuck with me, the need that there was for sure in China. So we started making our plans there. And um, by God's grace, the support came in. And so had the heart surgery in February of 2012. And by August 2012, we were uh, on a plane on our way to Beijing. So how did your, how was it for your kids? I know I was going to ask other questions, but you know, your, your kids at this time are, are probably what? 13, 14. Yeah. They were 12, 12 14, 12 yeah. 14. Our daughter was 12 and she was still young enough where she was just kind of excited. And as long as we were going to be there, she was, she was good with that. It was hard for her to say goodbye to some of her friends. Mm -hmm. uh, but our son, we came to find out later he was, he was 14. Uh, he was pretty much crying himself to sleep every night, dreading the move, dreading how it was going to be and leaving California and leaving his friends and family. And um, He put on a brave face for us, but I guess it was um, really weighing on him. And so uh, when we got to China, um, our son just instantly loved it. He hit the ground running. He made so many friends and um, just loved the culture, loved the food. Loved the street food, particularly. Street food, <laughs> the, cheap, the cheap beverages you could buy at all the little corner markets and things. He just, and he loved that he could navigate around by himself on the subway and take taxis by himself. And he felt pretty amazed by all that. So, and he just had a, he just found a niche of friends that he could hang out with all, all other expats. Um, our daughter had a little bit harder time. She's not a very bold personality. The language was, she was fearful of using it and talking to people. She didn't have a automatic friend group that made as much sense as for our son. So, so it kind of reversed when we got there, he was just loved it. He was sad when we moved back here that he wouldn't be able to go spend his summer breaks in China anymore. So, um, yeah, they, but they, overall, they both did really well. They both love the fact that we live there and that they have that connection, um, with the people and the language and, um, yeah, it was good. God was very yeah. gracious. Our son also, um, really went through a crisis point there when he was, um, was junior, year, junior year in high school. Yeah. Where he just, he got into this um, spiral of reading people's comments on news stories, you know, like Yahoo News and stuff. And um, very critical of Christianity, critical, very dismissive, very atheistic. And yeah. he started to really doubt whether anything we had told him, anything the Bible said was was really true or was it all just a big trick? Um, he didn't like any alternatives either. Like, OK, what? 
so we'd challenge him, well, what if it's not true? What do you think is right? And he, you know, he was just so confused and. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't eating much at all. Yeah. He was really worrying us. Not, yeah, sleeping, not well. sleeping well. Wanted to sleep on the floor in our room. I mean, he was very, very depressed. I mean, he's a kid that likes to eat. So <laughs> we knew this was pretty serious, but, yeah. um, but yeah, we just were needing to be ready to talk to him. Usually it was like at 11 o'clock at night. He wanted to talk. Or later. Or later. And, you know, not the time I usually want to talk. But uh, <laughs> hey, if my son wants to talk about spiritual things at that time, we'll talk about him. So a lot of conversations encouraged him. Romans 1, I think, was super helpful in really, you know, seeing the what happens when you reject a God who has made himself known. And uh, God worked on his heart and uh, started really working there. And then his senior year, I took him out to Shepherd's Conference at Grace. And to see the other men worshiping God together was just solidifying and seeing, okay, uh, I'm not a fool for believing that, you know, this is, there's a lot of wise men here who are uh, following after the Lord and reading the word. He started listening to Al Mohler, the briefing every day too, and just, uh, yeah, God just turned his heart around and where he's uh, following hard after the Lord now. I'm very thankful for that. Well, that's such a sweet encouragement. I think our church has many young parents, so we're at the very beginning, you know, and you just, you know, wonder how you're going to get through those moments. And it's just such an encouragement to hear of his grace and his hand um, mm-hmm. really helping and being kind and merciful in those things. When you look back at your time in China, and hopefully this weekend we'll have a chance for more questions because I'm sure there's a lot there, but maybe you can share with us some of the big things that you took away from that time, you know, lessons that the Lord taught you and, and maybe that you didn't have before you went. You want to start? Let me start. Okay. Yeah. One of the, I mean, you would think, I would have enough reasons to be humble already, but uh, God gave me a lot more. Um, just learning Mandarin um, was a very humbling experience. And it, it always was a line between humiliating and humbling, if depending on if I handled it sinfully or handled it uh, biblically. And so often it was humiliating and just very difficult. And the big thing was not, was not sitting down and studying flashcards or grammar. That's not the hard part. It's when you're trying to communicate to someone or they're trying to communicate to you and you just don't understand what they're saying and they start getting frustrated with you. And, and those moments were very difficult. Um, but, you know, so it's definitely a, a humbling experience through that, a difficult experience and in, in figuring out, okay, Lord, how are you going to use us in this environment? Um, but we were very thankful there. There was a lot of figuring out what ministry would look like. We were for a short time part of a three self church, uh, but then left that to uh, to an international church for a short time, and then the majority of time at uh, a r- unregistered church or or what some would call house church or family church. Um, and very thankful, and you know, stretching for sure um, to be able to communicate and teach God's truth in those contexts. But yeah, just uh, had a pastor there who was seemed to preach expositionally, but was very open to women preaching. And so we, you know, some very tough conversations in that as well, trying to be gracious to him and respect and honor him. And yet also uh, just show that, look, the scripture is clear on this, but um, yeah, there were moments I remember just in different ministry contexts where it was like, I don't know if I could take any more of this, just challenging wise. And yet God gave us grace for each day. Um, yeah. And I think looking back to um, seeing where we are now, um, we just, we did a lot of things the wrong way. Um, think of a couple examples, like just total American stereotype is we get to our, our um, unregistered church that we were a part of, and we just see all the needs and we think, oh, we can meet those needs. And so, you know, for example, we went out and bought all these toys and things for their little, they had just built a sort of a little cry room 
for the babies, but it was, you know, just sparse. It had some padding on the floor and that was it. So we thought, oh, we'll go and buy those toys. And we, um, yeah, just things like that, where we just see issues and like, oh, let's buy that or let's take care of that. Um, so those were some things that we learned the hard way. Like you just, that's really not a missionary's role to just come in and just throw some money at it and make things better. I don't, our intention wasn't to just be. It's um, foolishness, not, yeah, yeah not intent. Not <laughs> malicious, but yeah, just yeah. foolish things. Um, just a lot of things with our Chinese friends. We, you know, Americans think everybody should like chocolate chip cookies, right? And so, they don't, you know, it's yeah. my mission to make chocolate chip cookies for everyone. And, <laughs> you know, it's way too sweet. Chinese yeah. people don't like desserts that are that sweet they never eat that much sugar in a whole week much less in one cookie (laughs) so um yeah just learning things the hard way but I see now looking back how God was preparing us for the role that we're in now of um training and helping other missionaries get to the field we can forewarn them um give them some wisdom that to avoid some of the pitfalls that we fell into at first and I think even more so for Rodney just with um, having to think really strategically about, okay, when we send people out, we need to send them out with a, with a purpose and a really clear plan. Not that those plans can't totally change over time, but mm-hmm. at least, you know, what you're, what you're there for, what you're working for. We, we sort of lacked that. We just sort of dove in and by God's grace, you know, we were able to do a lot of things and we give him all the glory for that. Um, but we'd, we'd really like to help other people prepare um, better than we were prepared just to be able to be the most effective with the way God has gifted them to really get the language. That was another thing. Like we, we really did work on the language. Yeah. We needed, we needed a lot working. more work and we, <laughs> we started to try and do too much before we were really well established with our Mandarin. So um I think that was a disservice to us to, you know, you feel like we're missionaries, we're writing newsletters, we've got to impress people with what we're doing. And um, so we got into some things that just really weren't um, pushing us forward to our goal. It was just sort of like, you know, English clubs and things like that, that um, just weren't really what Rodney's heart was for. But yeah, and it also was a distraction from the studying that we should have been doing to get better with our Mandarin. So. Those are just a few things, just some practical. You know, two observations on on my end. Number one, obviously, the Lord allowed you to live out when you talk about the initial call, Rodney, of hearing Pastor MacArthur talk and preach from Luke and that series, you know, that he went through about denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Christ. I mean, you really got to live that out maybe more than in ways that you had imagined or anticipated before going. You know, it it comes, you know, in ministry, whether you're here or abroad in so many unexpected ways, you know, you think this is the way I'm going to suffer for Christ. This is the way I'm going to give, I'm going to sacrifice and Mm -hmm. things like studying language or sometimes the simplest things end up being some of the ways in which the Lord humbles us and and teaches us dependence on him. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the sweet things that I would hear privately from Ricardo of how he was blessed by you. And I think it's fascinating to think of Ricardo and Vano, where Ricardo speaks the language. He's going back home. His parents live there and they're beginning by living in um, his, his parents' home and, and their city, but sharing with me the lessons that you were to give him about Ricardo, don't go too fast. You know, don't get involved in a lot of things that, seem good in the beginning, but end up taking you away in the long term. And also, you know, asking him to sort of focus on his purpose in ministry and do that project, which he shared with the elders at, at the church too, at our church to walk through, hey, here's basically my goals and my objectives and 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 the plan through that. It's, it's neat to see what you went through and the lessons that you learned. Um, assisting someone who has the language already and knows the culture. And yet those are lessons that he needed in a really big way. Yeah. Yeah. Just thankful to be able to teach others from my mistakes, you know, yeah. it's just knowing the language. I mean, that's a big part of it, but that's not the only thing it's being oh. focused strategically on ministry. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was able to, yeah, I was very glad to be able to talk with Ricardo about that quite a bit. 
So it's neat to see to see the fruit of that and God graciously work through and, and teach us all what I harp on so often is, you know, second second Corinthians 12, seven through nine, you know, we'll boast in our infirmities, we'll boast in our weaknesses and, and we'll boast in insults as well. You know, the Lord tends to use those to shine the light of the gospel on him rather than us. And mm-hmm. that's that's probably, you know, where it should have been all yeah. the time. So right. Well, it's nine twenty. We could stay. I could stay here personally for quite some time. But at least we've had our appetites whetted for spending time with you. I wanted to take a little bit of time to ask both of you: How can we, as a church, be praying for you? Obviously, we'll be praying for this weekend, but um, it, it would just be a good thing for us to be praying for you for the other things that you have going on, your responsibilities. Obviously, this grandchild who's on its way. But, you know, how can we be praying for you? You know, one area that you could be praying for us. Um, so in, in addition to uh, the opportunities I have with the missions uh, department and serving there, uh, which has its own challenges, but also I'm co-pastoring a fellowship group and just a lot of counseling opportunities. And in particular, uh, we have two marriage counseling opportunities right now that um well, let me just say the other night didn't feel like opportunities uh, is very, very challenging. Yeah. Um, and two, yeah, these two couples both came to quite a, a head last Friday night and uh, working through those with each couple and having many meetings. And so just, I mean, just as you know, you had read from James one praying for wisdom. Um, we we're praying for wisdom. And if you would pray for our wisdom in those counseling, uh, in that counseling ministry as well, because we want to see these couples have joyful marriages, which God can do that and can turn their marriages around. Um, so we just need wisdom and how to continue to encourage them that way. So that, you know, frankly, that is very heavy on both of our hearts, I think right now, because those were so intense over the last three days or four days. Um, so that's one area for sure. Um, and certainly in my missions, there's counseling issues as well. In fact, I'm working with one guy right now overseas that we are um, needing to encourage him to leave the country he's in and, and uh, come back to the States and maybe get redeployed perhaps. And um, it's it just takes wisdom in counseling him as well and, and to and to let them know that, look, I, this is our decision as leadership, as elders, and, um, to be gracious and patient with him because this is tough news for him to hear. Um, so those are a couple things that are just certainly heavy on my mind. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, those are those are good ones. Yeah, well, I know you've been involved in all those marriage yeah. discussions. So. Well, you've yeah. been brought back. It's interesting. You know, you've gone to missions. Obviously, the buildup was huge and the transition is huge to take a family and come back. And in some ways, though you've come back to the States, you know, the Lord has put quite a bit on your plate, both with overseeing GMI, but also having a fellowship group. And then just by virtue of, I'm sure coming back to a church where everybody knows you as well, carries a fair amount of responsibilities as well. It does. It does. And a blessing too. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, certainly I'm super grateful. Um, my parents had gone to the church, um, you know, until my dad passed away, my mom is still there. And so, yeah, all of their friends know us and all the friends and high school students I've ministered to and their parents. And so it's a blessing for yeah. all the connections, but, um, but yeah, it does bring some responsibility too. Yeah. We're thankful for it. Well, it's going to be a joy for us. I'm so like, it's going to be really neat to be able to spend time with you both this weekend. And and we're thankful and appreciative that the Lord made time and you made time in the midst of your busy schedule that to be able to spend a weekend with us. And so we're looking forward to this. I can't wait to uh, hit the ground running Friday evening as we get started. So um, why don't we just take this time if I could, if I could pray for you on behalf of our church. And then we'll see you soon. So love it for us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for what we heard this evening. Really, Lord, for your gospel, which is so great, your graciousness in coming into this world 
and spending time with us and taking up your cross and denying yourself and dying for our sins so that people who never knew you and had no idea what a cross is, Lord, could come and be saved and become family and for the resurrection and the fact that you are present in your church and in our lives and that you continue to do amazing things. We just thank you for the testimony of that, that we heard this evening and the way in which you brought Rodney and Glenna together, Lord, even when it didn't seem like a fit to Glenna in the beginning. And yet, Lord, you had good plans for them, for the family that you gave them, Lord, for bringing them through many trials and getting them to the mission field and getting them to China and using them there and also using every aspect of that ministry, those which they saw as strengths and even those which they saw, Lord, as, as weaknesses and to use that, Lord, to frame them even for a fruitful ministry at this time. Lord, as we think about the counseling cases that you have brought to them, we lift them up to you at this time. At the end of the day, you're the only one who can untie these knots. And yet you've called us, Lord, to participate, and you've given us that gift and privilege. And so we just pray for the Andersons for wisdom at this time, a wisdom that comes from faith and confidence in a God who cares, a God who loves, but also a God who has a timing and a schedule as well for how you desire these things to become untied. We pray, too, for the many challenges that they have and their responsibilities in overseeing GMI, in caring for missionaries abroad, in making decisions uh, together with the elders, Lord, to help and assist and support missionaries. And many of those are tough decisions. Lord, we lift these things up to you. We ask, Lord, for encouragement and strength for all of those who are involved. We pray that they might see clearly, Lord, in the midst of the struggles and adversities, Lord Jesus, would they be able to see the cross and would they be able to see your presence with them? For this uh, grandchild that's on its way, we do ask if possible that uh, the delivery could happen after the retreat. And we also pray, Lord, that we just want to rejoice with their family as this grandchild comes. What a gift and what a privilege and what a joy, Lord, and what a blessing. And we pray, Lord, for this child, for the salvation, Lord, even in advance, you know us and fearfully and wonderfully make us in the wombs of our parents. And you know us, Lord, before the foundation of time. And we just pray for this weekend, Lord, that you go before us. We pray for safety and travel for everybody who's going to be at retreat. And even more so, Lord Jesus, we just ask that you would enable us by faith to receive the wisdom that you have for us through the epistle of James and through the ministry Lord, that you're going to give us through the Andersons. We just ask that you would bless this time. It's short. It's only 72 hours, but we just pray that we would be able to make the most of it and enjoy fellowship with you and fellowship with the Andersons to the fullest. And Lord, for all of these things, we thank you and, and praise you. And, and we're appreciative, Lord, of the fact that we can do this retreat this coming weekend. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. So nice to see all of you. Look forward to meeting you in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll, we will see you soon. Thursday. Okay. okay. Right. Take, Take care. care. Good night, everybody. We're going to dismiss you all and we'll, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you for joining us.